The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. And I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple, which is in the city named Chicago in Illinois, in the country of the United States. The Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister of Christ Universal Temple, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. I'm still in the midst of a series titled The Law and the Promise, which was written by Neville, whose full name was Neville Goddard. And I'm teaching his concept on imagination. And this book, The Law and the Promise, is the text that I've been teaching chapter by chapter. My request is that everyone who is following along with this series actually purchase the book or get the book, however you need to work it out, library or whatever. But get the book and study it because the book has a lot of testimonies in it of people who were students of Neville who wrote him and showed how or told how they applied the principles he taught, especially around imagination or as he calls it, uh, imaginative functioning or uh, imagining, or as he says, imagining creates reality. Uh, we would use terms like visualization, et cetera, how you hold something with clarity in mind and then conviction of feeling deep feeling that it already is and i've covered a lot of material because to a certain extent he's covering the same material over and over again and saying the same thing over and over again so let's be mindful of that now the um before we actually get into the chapters i'm going to teach today which is which are chapters 12 and 13 i do want to give a little bit of information. I've been trying to bring in supplemental information just to kind of help support the process. So the supplemental information I'm going to use today, uh, one of them is Ernest Holmes. And this is from the book uh, titled Questions and Answers on the Science of Mind. Questions and Answers on the Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes and Alberta Smith. So I'm assuming Alberta Smith compiled this information that Ernest Holmes wrote. Anyway, So on page four of my book, he wrote, uh, answering a question, is the term divine law synonymous with mind, capital M, or with God? Ernest Holmes' answer was, 
it denotes an aspect of God, an aspect of mind. God as spirit is synonymous with universal intelligence in a conscious state. Divine law, by contrast, is subjective and not consciously aware of itself. The term divine law is synonymous with the universal subjective law. It is never self-knowing, though it is always self-doing. It knows how to do, but what, but not what it is doing. The soil knows how to grow corn, but not that it is growing corn. I'm going to read that last part of this definition again. He said the term divine law is synonymous with the universal subjective law, law with a capital L. It is never self-knowing, though it is always self-doing. It knows how to do, but not what it is doing. The soil knows how to grow corn, but not that it is growing corn. I keep saying that over and over again because I think it's important because he, he uses the example of soil to explain how law works, that it is the job of the sower to sow the seed. It is the job of the soil to nourish and grow or produce what has been planted in it. So when we're, start, when we're talking about the law and the promise, the law is never self-knowing, though it is always self-doing. Biblically, this is explained in the book of Acts when, or the Acts of the Apostles when it is written, God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. Universal law just works. Universal law just works across the board. Just like he says, it knows how to do, but not what it is doing. The soil knows how to grow corn, but not that it is growing corn. So you can place uh, seeds to grow corn. You can plant seeds to grow apple trees that produce apples or orange uh, tree seeds that will grow trees that produce oranges, watermelons, etc., etc. The soil is not going to say, I'm not going to grow that seed. It's totally subjective. Its job is to reproduce that which has been planted in it. And it is the job of universal law to reproduce that which you have a mental equivalent of, that which you think and feel. And let me just say this so it's really clear. As Reverend Ike used to say all the time, feeling gets the blessing. Feeling. So if you say, okay, but I've been seeing my good, but do you feel it? Because if you see one thing and you feel another, those deeply seated emotions are going to override those thoughts. That's why you have to get the feelings on board because the feelings are almost like the fuel. The, the feelings are the fertile. That's the fertilizer of your thought, of your idea. Of your, or of your ideology, of your concept, of your context, of your paradigm. It's the fuel. 
So it's the fertilizer. It's going to make it grow. That's not the only quote I'm, I'm using today. Again, before I get into the chapters, I want to make sure that I'm reinforcing what I want to reinforce for today. Again, I'm going back to Positive Imaging by Norman Vincent Peale. It's uh, just a small, little, quick, practical book, and that's why I like using uh, books that are small, quick, and practical because people understand it. It doesn't require as much translation. All right? All right. He wrote on page one, imaging is positive thinking carried one step further. In imaging, one does not merely think about a hope for a goal. One sees or visualizes it with tremendous intensity reinforced by prayer. Imaging is a kind of laser beam of the imagination, a shaft of mental energy in which the desired goal or outcome is pictured so vividly by the conscious mind that the unconscious mind accepts it and is activated by it. This releases powerful internal forces that can bring about astonishing changes in the life of the person who is doing the imaging. I'm going to read it one more time. Imaging is positive thinking carried one step further. In imaging, one does not merely think about a hope for a goal. One sees or visualizes it with tremendous intensity reinforced by prayer. Imaging is a kind of laser beam of the imagination, a shaft of mental energy in which the desired goal or outcome is pictured so vividly by the conscious mind that the unconscious mind accepts it and is activated by it. This releases powerful internal forces that can bring about astonishing changes in the life of the person who is doing the imaging. So let's be clear. So he's basically saying this is concentrated, concentrated thought. This is concentrated imagination. This is concentrated mental imagery. He calls it a laser beam of the imagination. And the difference between a laser beam and a regular light is the intensity. The focus, the concentration, and I love the fact that that he that, that he said a shaft of mental energy with which the desired goal or outcome is pictured so vividly. I love the word vividly, so vividly. In other words, you have it's so detailed. You know, you see from it, not just. You're not just looking at it, but you're seeing from it. It's vivid. You're living it. You're experiencing it. You're being it. It's vivid by the conscious mind that the unconscious mind or subconscious accepts it. That's the key. Remember, feeling is the blessing, and the subconscious or uh, subconscious nature is the feeling nature. Accepts it and is activated by it. This releases the powerful internal forces that. 
in New Thought we call law. This releases powerful internal forces that can bring about astonishing changes in the life of the person who is doing the imaging. This is key. This is key. So it's really important for us to realize that the images you hold in your mind matter. But if you really want to get the desired results, you have to learn how to mentally consistently hit your target. What does that mean? If uh, it was a boxing speed bag in front of you and they had you doing that, you know, little drill where they have you over and over again, hit the bag, speed, speed, go faster, go faster. Uh, I remember when I uh, tried to do that, when I first saw one, and I didn't realize how hard the rhythm of it was. Do you realize that you can actually miss the bag? You can hit it too hard, and then when you come back around again, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. Now, what? why am I using that analogy? You have to stay focused on what it is that you're doing to the point that you consistently hit the target of your visualization or your imaging. You got to go back to that image and you got to see it in your mind over and over again. You got to see it vividly. You have to experience it. You have to be it over and over again, over and over again. You got to consistently hit that target, hit that target. Now, what's actually happening also is as you're seeing it in mind vividly and you're accepting it in your feeling nature, what's also happening is it's activating the power of faith. Because as you see it in your mind, if you can believe it and have conviction and have faith in it, because faith is a spiritual power, but faith is activated by belief. Don't miss that. Faith is activated by belief. So if you can't believe it, faith can't do anything about it. It doesn't make a difference how religious you are if you can't believe it's possible for you then it's not possible for you and if by some game of chance like lottery and roll of the dice or the, or, or, or or whatever you end up winning you won't keep what you don't have but when you have a prosperity consciousness when you can believe that those things are supposed to happen to you you can go beyond what you even believe. I, I was reading this article just, um, and it was very refreshing. A couple of articles that I thought were really good as far as images are concerned. Um, everybody knows that athletes, uh, professional athletes, basketball, football in particular, baseball not as much, but basketball and football, I don't know the stats on baseball, have a high rate of people who are broke. Uh, shortly after their playing careers, so even if they if they have a, they're making eight million dollars and they have an eight million dollar lifestyle, eventually that catches up to them. They don't invest in real estate, partying, whatever. Many much like rock stars and rap stars and pop stars and R and B stars, they blow their money. And I was watching um, the news, and it stated that LeBron James had invested $1 million in a pizza uh, company. And from that $1 million investment, 
it turned into a $25 million investment, which can potentially, based upon his uh, percentage of ownership, could turn into $35 million. Now, there's not a lot of stock on the planet where you can invest a dollar and get 35 out of it, let alone 1 million and get 35 million out of it potentially. See, but that's the difference when you have your game plan together about what you want to see and how you want to do it, et cetera, because one of his goals is to be a billionaire because he wants to own a team just like his idol, Michael Jordan. And then I saw um, an article about um, this uh, black woman who's a mother of two young ladies who, um, who left the job to go through McDonald's, uh, the McDonald's training program to become an owner. And she sent her kids through school, then sent them through the McDonald's program and through their, um, in, intensity of seeing what it is that they wanted, they collectively own 13 McDonald's. Now, that's a positive image. That's a positive image of a black woman with with uh, of three black women who are who are working boss status level skill. But that starts in consciousness. That starts in consciousness. That starts in consciousness. It's understanding the power of imagination because it will help you determine where you're going but it also help you determine where you don't need to be distracted uh to remove distractions where you don't need to go what turns you don't need to make because you have to always decide as you're working with law that's going to grow what you place in it so if you're feeding your mind with images of people who are all who especially you know, from a very human level, not spiritual, but from a very human level who look like you, who who don't do anything other than uh, or aren't portrayed as doing anything other than being negative. You know, like, in my opinion, these buff- the, the buffoonery that shows up as reality TV, especially in the African-American community, we have to be mindful that you have to feed your mind what it is that you want to achieve. If you are what you eat, you also are what you think. So it looks like it's time for our first break. So we're going to take our first break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your soul will thank you. It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on unityonlineradio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. All right. Welcome back to Truth Transform. Before I get back into the show, I'm teaching Neville the Law and the Promise, and we're about to go to page 117, chapter 12, Attitudes. I want to remind you all that uh, this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely gives please go to unity.fm click on the giving or donate button and help support this online ministry i realize that a lot of people listen to this show on podcasts on their phones and tablets itunes or stitcher apps for the android phones etc and you know this is a really really powerful service that unity is providing to the world uh but as I tell people at the church, Jesus doesn't pay the light bill. So <laughs> let's be mindful that 
you know, there's their producers, there's equipment that there's, you know, domains there. You have to be able to hold all of these podcasts, literally thousands, thousands, tens of thousands of podcasts over the last eight or nine years since Unity Online Radio has been in existence. All that takes money. And therefore, for you and others to be able to access this information in perpetuity, we have to make sure that we're taking care of our business now. Because just like this book that I'm teaching, somebody is keeping it in print, you know, and, you know, Neville Goddard was not extremely popular. He's coming back now, but he, you know, he was, you know, I guess we would say required reading for some folks who were in the New Thought Movement, but for others, they didn't even know anything about him. So make sure that you're, you know, supporting what you believe in and what's helping you live a better life. Also, be reminded that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you like the page that you share the things on the page, that you give it a five-star review and write a review. Give it five stars and write a review. If you listen to it on iTunes, please do the same. Give it a a five-star review and write a nice review about it. And also on Stitcher, if you have an Android uh, mobile device. Why why do I need this? Because it helps the algorithms. And as these uh, Facebook, iTunes, or Stitcher sees what's going on with a particular show, getting high ratings and good reviews, then it helps the algorithm send it to whoever needs it. Because there are people who listen to these type of shows who might not know about this show. And when you give it a high review, it'll recommend it. Just like going on Netflix, if you watch a certain certain type of movies, Netflix will start recommending movies to you. Well, we want this show to be recommended to thinkers who would be open to this type of message. All right. I realize this is not fair. It, it should be for everybody. But I realize everybody's not in a place where this they have a listening for this type of practical, hardcore metaphysics. Anyway, to the book. So. Neville says on page 117, memory in the chapter 12 attitudes, memory, though faulty, is adequate to call to the call for sameness. Now, what he means by that is if we keep our imagining on our memory, what it's going to do is consistently reproduce consistency with our past. Consistency with our past. All right. So then he quotes again, imagining creates reality. If there is room for improvement, we should reconstruct him with new content. Visualize him, talking about things that are happening in the memory. Visualize him as we would like him to be rather than have him bear the burden of our of our memory of him. So he's saying, which is really, really a deep level of visualization, that you can go in your mind and recreate how you see a person. And how you, when you recreate how you see a person can actually influence how that person behaves, at least with you. Uh, it's amazing how when you get your mind right around a person, they might act crazy around everybody else. But when they deal with you, they're right on the money. Right on the money. Every time. All right. Back to the book. So 
one of the things that he does in this chapter is he teaches, he has a lot of stories. So I'm jumping over the stories as I stated before, because I want you to read the stories and I want you to get the impact of the stories by reading them and digesting them yourself. That's why it's important for you to get the book. But on page 122, he wrote, there is a wide difference between the will to resist an activity and the decision to change it. He who changes an activity acts, whereas he who resists an activity reacts. One creates, the other perpetuates. So one of the things that ends up happening in life is when situations happen to, to us, we react in a certain kind of way that 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 pulls up emotion and things of that nature. Now we're being reactive to the things that's going on in life. Instead of seeing it right in consciousness, Eric Butterworth once wrote, it's not our job to set it right, but to see it right. You can't set something right that you can't see right. Because the only thing you can do is potentially create more issues. So you have to see it right. Then he goes on to say, Nothing is real beyond the imaginative patterns we make of it. What does that mean? He, he's basically saying that that it is the thinking that supports our experiences. And as we take the thinking, which is, and when I'm saying thinking, I'm talking about thinking and feeling. When we take conscious our consciousness or attention or power away from a thing, we're deconstructing it by removing the the thinking power that supports it. This is why Charles Fillmore states that evil is a parasite. It's not something in and of itself that has life. The error or adverse thoughts that produce error experiences live off the life of your own thinking. And sometimes the collective thinking of a group or a neighborhood or a city or a county or a state or a nation. See how it just keeps rising or a particular demographic that gets stuck somewhere and they don't know how to get off of it. Or they shift and learn how to be free. One or the other. Because as we learned from Ernest Holmes earlier, the term divine law is synonymous, synonymous with the universal subjective law. It is never self-knowing, though it is always self-doing. It knows how to do, but not what it is doing. The soil knows how to grow corn, but not that it is growing corn. So, Neville goes back to saying on page 122, memory, no less than desire, resembles a daydream. Why make it a daymare? In other words, why are you visualizing things that scare you that you're afraid of that you think will wreak havoc in your life then he wrote man can forgive only if he treats memory as a daydream and shapes it to his heart's desire so even when you're daydreaming he's saying which is just fanciful thought most of the time and most most of the time it's just like a wish they should be on what you want Etc. Because it'll reinforce when you sit down and you really do more deeply concentrated thinking. But you have to get to the point to where 
And you say you have to do anything, but you could, can get to the point to where even your daydreaming supports all of your other thought processes. So when your mind goes off and starts to drift, it's going to the dream. It's going to the gift. Now, if you stay in the daydream and you don't get into the action, obviously, that's something else. But, you know, many times you just got to see it. You play with it in your mind. You play with it in your mind. Speak When it's talking about um, the imaginative patterns, I can remember reading uh, a story about Kobe Bryant in high school. And uh, Kobe Bryant was raised overseas. Uh, his father was an NBA basketball player, but when he was uh, a small child, went overseas to play in Spain. And, oh, Italy, not Spain, I believe it was Italy. But anyway, one of those countries, I believe it was Italy. And when he came back to play basketball, I believe for his, during his senior year, junior senior year in high school, uh, in his senior year, there's a story of him um, asking a girl out for a date and uh, and then, you know, come back to the house and hang out. Just hang out, you know, family room, whatever. And while he has company over, this young lady, uh, he... Instead of watching a movie or watching a TV or whatever, he puts in to his VCR his tape of Michael Jordan games and highlights. He was so focused on emulating Michael Jordan that <laughs> even on a date as a 16 or 17 year old kid. His mind was on, look at how Jordan did this. And did you see how he did that? And did you see how he, he used the crossover dribble? And see how he posted the guy up and did this, this, and that? It was his whole mindset. It was his whole mindset. It was no wonder he was going to be great. It's all he saw. It was all he saw. Unapologetic about it. When people say, well, that's not balanced. And what I will say is this. I believe in making sure that your soul gets what it needs to restore itself, revitalize, renew, and regenerate. But the older I get, one of the things that I, I've, I'm discovering more and more daily is this. True greatness does not come out of equal balance. It just doesn't. If you really want to be great at something, it has to be consuming. Now, that's not worth it for everybody because everybody doesn't want greatness. But there are sacrifices to greatness that you have to be really present to. You know, uh, you know, people joke with me. How do you read read all those books? Well, that was because I was 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, etc. Where everybody else was at the party and at the club, I was reading. Where everybody else was doing the things that they felt as though they wanted to do for that age, 
I was in at 22 in a teacher counselor training program in Johnny Coleman Institute with people that everybody in the program could have been my parent or grandparent. And I didn't want to be average. I wanted to be the person that was the go-to person. So when somebody said, I need a, a, a book or resources, I need to know what this means and what that means. I need to know what I should be reading. I need to know what the, this scripture uh, symbolizes, represents, or whatever, literal, practical, metaphysically, etc. I want to be that guy or that person. You can't be that person reading casually. You can't be that person if you're not reading in the morning, afternoon, or evening. You can't be that person trying to give equal energy to everything. You can't. It takes intensity. It takes focus. It takes concentration. Yeah, I miss probably way more parties than I can even imagine in my early 20s. But guess what? It was the pearl of great price for me. As Jesus said, the man who finds a pearl in a, in a land and goes and sells all he has so he can buy the land to receive that to get that pearl. The pearl of great price. Whatever it is that you're seeking to get at a high level, if you want to be great, it has to be your pearl of great price. What are you willing to give up to go up? What are you willing to give up to be great? Everybody talks about what they want to receive, what they want to get. What are you willing to give up to be great? Because that's the real process. Greatness requires sacrifice. Well, I'm looking at the clock. It looks like it's time for our second break. So we're going to take this second break. And we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio.
You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. All right, welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm jumping to chapter 13 of the book, The Law and the Promise. And in that chapter, he has a sentence where he states, to imagine particular ends is to discriminate clearly. Again, to imagine particular ends is to discriminate clearly. Now, discrimination is a word now that has been used strictly in a negative sense, in my opinion. When you say to discriminate, you're normally saying withholding something from somebody else. We're not talking about that level of discrimination. I'm talking, he's using discrimination in the context of deciding what it is, what you want versus something else. You have to be able to discriminate. When options are presented to you, you have to choose, you have to discern, you have to discriminate. Because once you make a choice for one thing, you're also not choosing other things. And you're choosing to withhold energy, withhold attention, withhold the power of your thinking, but withhold the power of your feeling from one thing and give it to another. That's discrimination mentally. So is it really important from a new thought perspective that you practice discrimination? When thoughts and feelings come up, Sometimes I'll say to myself, I'm not feeling that. I'm not focusing on that. Something will try to pop up and I shift my thinking somewhere else. I'll talk to myself. The thinking has to go somewhere else because I refuse to allow my thoughts to go there because I know that if you drop a snowball off of a snow-capped mountain, sooner or later that snowball is going to roll to the point to where it turns into an avalanche. And you can put your hand out and stop a snowball from rolling downhill. But you can't stop an avalanche. It's too much. So many times people are in massive levels of depression and massive levels of frustration and anxiety because they have their hands up metaphorically trying to stop an avalanche. At that point, you need help. Because they didn't stop the thoughts when they were small. They didn't stop the feelings when they were small. You have to nip it in the bud immediately. Don't let your mind take you where you don't want to go. Take the energy from it. Pull it away. Pull it away. No matter what. Pull it away. No matter what. Don't let your mind take you where you don't want to go. When your mind started imaging and pulling up all type of crazy stuff that could go wrong. Now, know the difference between discernment that is that is teaching you how to avoid the potholes of life versus wor- worry. Because spirit as wisdom, discrimination, ju- judgment, wisdom can give you of picture of what could happen if you don't course correct yourself. I'm a big believer in that. Matter of fact, this is what the biblical prophets did consistently. 
This is what John the Baptist did when he came out. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, etc. This was Jesus' core message. If you read the first gospel that was ever written, which is the gospel of Mark, which predates all of the gospels by at least a decade, at least a decade, Mark states that Jesus' message when he began his ministry was, was the kingdom of God, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Think about that. Jesus' message. Jesus' message was repent, kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we need to be mindful of that. What does that mean? Matter of fact, it says, if you go to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it says, Jesus said, it says, now after John was arrested, that's John the Baptist. So it's basically saying that according to the original version of how Jesus' ministry began, it began primarily after uh, John the Baptist John the Baptist was arrested. It says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news or gospel of God. The good news or gospel of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Some say at hand. Repent which means change your mind. It means to make an about face in the Aramaic uh, metaphorically, make an about face and believe in the good news and believe, accept it's true in the good news. So there's a discernment because when anybody, anytime somebody says repent, change your mind, they're saying if you want to benefit from this, you got to think differently. If you want to benefit from this, you have to think differently. All right, back to the book. He goes on to say, uh, how do we distinguish the oak from the beach, the horse from the ox, but by the bounding outline? Definition asserts the reality of the particular thing against the formalist generalizations which flood the mind. So it's not. So what he's basically saying is, when you learn how to define and discriminate, you're saying this is what I desire, not something else. This is what I desire. So it makes no sense for you to say, uh, you know, uh, and this could be controversial, but I just want you to hear me. If you if you it makes no sense to drive uh, a Cadillac if you want a Jaguar because that's not what you want. See, you know, you know, saying, "Well, I'm praying for a car." Great, that's one thing. But what kind of car do you want? Does it really matter? You know, Reverend Ike used to say, "God's not going to choose for you." You know, Rolls Royce or Yugo. Yugo used to be an old small, inexpensive car. You get to choose. We said, well, you know, I just want to be happy. What does happiness look like? I just want my marriage to work. What does marriage work look like? What well, marriage working look like? I just want to have enough money to pay my bills. What does that mean? How much money will it take for you to just take care of your bills? And 
if you can have enough money to take care of your bills, maybe you can have enough money to take care of your bills and enjoy life. And how much would that take based upon that's depending on what you want to do. You want to travel all the time. That requires more money than chilling at home watching Netflix. You got to discriminate. You have to decide. You have to choose. Because going back to the Ernest Holmes definition, the term divine law is synonymous with the universal subjective law. It is never self-knowing, though it is always self-doing. It knows how to do, but not what it is doing. The soil knows how to grow corn, but not that it is growing corn. Reverend Johnny Coleman used to say, God doesn't know the difference between one penny and one million dollars. It's all substance. So if you can think small and it requires the same amount of time to think small, you might as well think big. She used to have a lesson series with ended up one of her ministers ended up writing a, a booklet about it. And the title was How Big Is Your God? How Big Is Your God? The booklet was written by uh, the Reverend Allison Harrell. How Big is your God? That's a real solid question. How big? Because it takes a big God to produce big dreams. It takes a big God to transform the world. It takes a big God to transform minds and hearts. It takes a big God to heal your body. It takes a big God to pull people out of the the fangs of bankruptcy. It takes a big God. But you have to choose. There are times in the Gospels where people came to Jesus and they were, oh, Jesus, son of David, and all that type of stuff, and all these wonderful titles that they would, uh, you know, uh, state to, you know, to, you know, to Jesus while he was doing his ministry. And Jesus would stop and say, what do you want? What do you want me to do? What do you want me? (laughs) God as divine law is saying, what do you want me to do? I want to be healed. I want to see. I want to be prospered. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Just think about it. What do you want me to do? What do you want the power to do? When you walk on the elevator, I've used this analogy before. When you walk on the elevator and it has 50 buttons, the door will close. And if there's nobody else hitting a button on another floor, that elevator will stay right where it is. Because the elevator is asking you, what is it that you want me to do? Where do you want to go? These are your options. When you choose, the power will take you there. 
if you don't make a choice, the power won't take you there. Or, ha, 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 if you get on the elevator and you don't hit a button and then somebody else hits a button, it'll go to their floor. Here's the problem with life. When you don't have a a handle on your own imagination, when you don't have a handle on your own feelings, when you don't have a handle on your own consciousness, you will consistently end up on somebody else's floor because they're activating the power and you're along for the ride. That's how it works. That's how it works. It's just a thought. Accept it or not. But be very clear that the power to change and transform your world is within you. One other quote I want to get from this chapter. I've already run out of time. Page 127. Neville wrote, movement from dreams to things is the power driving humanity. Movement from dreams to things is the power driving humanity, which basically states that it is the desires and dreams that are within the souls of people that drives humanity forward. So be mindful of that. And with that, it is time for the show to end. And I will be with you next week with True Transforms. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Every day we're faced with countless decisions, some seemingly insignificant, others life-changing. In each situation, we want to consider all the options. But in an effort to choose wisely, I may become anxious and confused, thinking that my peace of mind depends upon making the right decision. Perhaps this is backwards thinking. Actually, beginning with peace of mind helps me make good decisions. Peace is not the result of a particular circumstance, but the very cause that keeps me calm no matter what I'm facing. Inner peace clears my mind of doubt and allows me to see what would serve me best. When I have to make a choice, I remember, for every question there is an answer, and that answer begins with the peace I already have. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, 
please visit our website at www.unity.org. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts. 